So, you've just finished A Court of Thorn and Roses, and you're craving another fantasy world to devour. Dipsy's got your back. Dive into spicy enemies-to-lovers tales or embark on an epic romance between immortal fae and sworn foes. They've got fantasy romance stories perfect for your morning walk, late night, or long bath. Dipsy is an app full of hundreds of short, spicy audio stories. They bring scenarios to life with immersive soundscapes and realistic characters. Discover stories about second chance romances, adventurous vacation flings, and hot and heavy hookups. I gotta tell you that the immersive soundscapes are really what makes a good sexy story different from a not good sexy story because it just like adds like it's hard sometimes in like reading a novel to like get the actual feel of what's going on but when it's like oh we're like at the coffee shop and this is like actually happening it's like very different (laughs) and there's a growing library of fantasy series with werewolves greek gods and goddesses regency era historical fiction for you sam and fairy smut to explore the bounds of your pleasure new content is released every week so in between listening to your favorite stories again and again you can always find something new to explore dipsy offers a modern approach to romance through high quality and captivating audio fiction for listeners of the show dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash just break up that's 30 days of full access for free when you go to dipsystories.com slash just break up dipsystories.com slash just break up look bumble knows you're exhausted by dating all the must not take yourself too seriously and six one since that matters and what do i even say other than hey <sighs> Well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Welcome to Just Break Up, the podcast about love, heartbreak, and all the relationship advice you don't want to hear. My name is Sierra DeMolder. And I'm Sam Blackwell. And this week, we're going to tackle topics like not feeling sexy, Trusting our own experiences and asking the universe to cut us some slack. Oh. But before we begin, that we just want to give you bitch. <laughs> <laughs> universe. Before we begin, we just want to give you our Surgeon General's warning, which is that we are not licensed people qualified in really any way, except Mm-mm. in the school that is life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like where you're going with this. I feel like it's a slam poem. Keep going. <laughs> Finger snaps. I want to pluck open your ribs with my fingers <laughs> and that's hold just like, your that's still like a beating heart. Serial killer. You're, this is going downhill. Hands. Quavering hands. Oh, okay. <laughs> wow. Okay. That just okay. Just like to replay that in your brain. You were like, I'm. I want to pluck open your rib cage. <laughs> Listen. Uh. So many. I've been to so many slam no, things you, because of you. You were. And there so, are a lot of weird people who want to pluck open people's rib cages. Well, it is a, <laughs> it is a fertile metaphor. Let me tell you, um, it is for sure. Anyway, <laughs> this is all to say we are definitely not qualified, not serial killers either. But like you know, you don't know. Yeah, you don't know. 
<laughs> so please take our advice as we see fit, because we're obviously unstable. We are only here to offer our humble musings to hopefully shed some understanding and maybe some laughs on the incredibly rewarding, rewarding, but mostly confusing <laughs> experience that is love. New yeah. York. Here I we know. are. <laughs> I know. Hey, Sam, guess what? Do you, do you know what? Do you have any idea what episode it is? I know you no. lose track. <laughs> like yeah. Literally none. <laughs> yeah. We're not at a milestone, but we are at a, like a rounded up number. We're at 130 episodes. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. So welcome exciting. to episode 130. If I want to do a throwback to inviting you into the episode. <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh, so glad that we dropped that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I couldn't, keep, was... <laughs> I couldn't keep count after a while. Um, I know. And yet we still did it for a long time, even yeah. after you couldn't keep count. <laughs> yeah. And w- w- at one point we joked about like naming each episode like a color or like a shape, you know, mm-hmm, like as mm-hmm, a joke. And mm-hmm. then somebody DM'd me. It was like, please don't do that. It'll make the episodes hard to find. <laughs> and I was like, it was just a joke. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so the check-in topic for today is um, inspired by a random like thought p- adventure I went on the other day. <laughs> A thought mm-hmm. adventure, a daydream. Um, a, a there's a four year old in my life who told me recently, um, in a very sad way, like uh, it, like she was like confessing something to me that made her like feel shame. She said, um, "Yeah, I have I have chubby cheeks," and she said it to mm. me in a way that made me be like, "What do you mean?" You know. And mm-hmm. she said, I don't like my chubby cheeks. And she was like looking in her in the mirror and squeezing them. And I said, who told you that you had chubby cheeks? Um, not that they're a bad thing, but it, the way she was saying mm-hmm. it to me, I was like, who, who, who gave you that word in that way? You know, mm-hmm. and um, she said that her, I don't know, her grandfather or somebody in her life had told her that. And so obviously like me as an adult, I know that that grandfather was probably like, Oh, I love your chubby cheeks. Oh, yeah, or, like yeah. Pinch your chubby mm-hmm, cheeks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But at four years old, and I mean, I'm talking like freshly four, you know, was three last month <laughs> coded. <laughs> she, she coded that that was bad. And she, and, and, and that that was something already at fucking three, four years old that she didn't like about her body. And, and mm. I guess, more importantly, that she she rec- she coded at that age that that was a truth, right? That to have chubby cheeks was a bad thing. Um, mm. And I just want to use that as a starting point for where my like daydream went, which was how young we are that w- when we inherit these like systems of thought or sets mm. of beliefs that we see as truth because they are so ingrained from such a long time ago. I mean you know, before you're fully conscious, you know, like three, four year old. Yes, they have consciousness. But like, can you remember being three and four? Oh, yeah. You can three. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, maybe I maybe I just blacked up. My oh. first memory was when I was three. And I don't know that I remember a lot of it, but I definitely remember being four. Yeah, I guess I remember very little, you know, snapshots of things. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah. you know, that I guess what I mean is like. A fully formed consciousness in that can you can you discern what is truth and and versus belief or you know can you you know we're so susceptible like disney 32 years old and i still can't figure that out so right and so making this you know i had this like thought process about like what 
thoughts and beliefs and truths do I hold or have I held that I kind of grew up with or came through life with that Mm -hmm. are only true because I was told or shown they were true, not because they are capital T truth. You know, I think about so many stigmas, um, so many um, biases, so so many um, hurtful systems of oppression that are based on these assumed truths, right, that we grow up with. And, you know, I guess zooming in a little to make it more applicable to our podcast, this also includes, and for, for me, for sure, has included systems of thoughts, uh, of beliefs and thoughts about love and relationship and dating and like worthiness and sexuality that I grew up with and, and thought were true and all of a sudden realized aren't necessarily. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I guess before we muse a little bit, adding one more thing in, I think this is a perfect time when we're reflecting about like, well, what, what, what were we raised to believe, believe is true? Um, and comparing that to what other people were raised to be leave is true. You know, like this little girl being raised to feel like her chubby cheeks are a bad thing. Other people might be raised to feel like, oh, well, my body is beautiful in whatever form it comes in. And then those two mm-hmm. adults are going to grow up and have mismatching realities. And we talk about that so much in dating. Um, mm-hmm. That's not a perfect example, but you get what I'm saying. Yeah, for sure. So do you... A, have any thoughts about that? Because I just like threw that all at you. And and B, I guess, can you speak to any of those assumed truths that you ha- have had um, about love and relationship and, and the self or whatever, um, mm-hmm. or anything that you think is most applicable? Yeah, I mean, I think your point is super important that like, these are things that we learn really quickly and they're like in the air that we breathe right and like when you started talking about this i was like oh yeah the delusion of white supremacy is like the big one that i can think of of like how quickly we we eat that and think and like just assume that that's the world even if our parents aren't like capital w capital s white supremacists right Right. like not in the, the ku klux klan like even just the realities of the system that we live in feed us white supremacy, right. the delusion of white supremacy, mm-hmm. right? Over and over and over again until it's like baked into our bodies. Um, it's like that immediately came to mind. And then the other thing, as you were thinking about like dating, was also like assumed heterosexuality too, mm. right? Like thinking about um, all of the, like, you know, I was... a. I was a queer kid. <laughs> like I had a lot of friends who were girls mm-hmm. and like the jokes that people would make about me being like a, like a, a womanizer lady. or like yeah. a ladies man. Right. <laughs> oh like and me being like, I'm six. This is my friend Casey. Right. I don't like the boys cause they make fun of me. Right. <laughs> so I hang out with only girls because I feel kindred spirit with them. Um, and just like, Made being made to feel weird because all of my friends were girls and I didn't want to play with the boys because they wanted to play guns and dinosaurs. And I was much more interested in pretending I had horses. Like, and just thinking about what that meant for me, like how I have coded that in my mm -hmm. head, like as a 32 year old person of like, I don't have strong relationships with other men, like with other straight, with straight men, because like, I never figured out how to do it as a kid. Right. <laughs> like, 
And, and it's just weird to you, think that, like, that's where it stems from. <laughs> of course. Well, and it, and it, and we're, we can't <laughs> unpack all, like, the subtle shaming that happens um, as children and how, how it affects us as adults. But I'm thinking just briefly, like, the idea that it is impossible to form some of those relationships or, or incorrect or shameful or, or whatever. Mm. Um, I even think about how I have so I have a handful. I mean, Spencer is one of them. I have a handful of straight male, uh, deeply intimate, close friendships with, with straight men. But when I was younger, you know, I, I had to, I consumed and believed the lie that that was not, possible that like you couldn't have those types of relationships that the Mm. genders didn't mix that way which is just such a fucking literally Mm -hmm. ingrained lie (laughs) that we grow up (laughs) believing you know yeah um i also think a lot about um the idea of romance and how we're taught what Mm. romance looks like you and i have like complained about uh rom-coms a ton but i think about like what beliefs did I think were 100% true when I first started dating? One, you can't ask, uh, like women don't um, pursue sex. They are pursued. You know, like I just, I straight Mm -hmm. up like thought that, you know what I mean? Um, Thinking about uh, romance, you know, last week we talked about, or no, it was on a Patreon episode, we talked about valentine's day surprises and romance and how we're kind of like trained to believe that romance has to be spontaneous that it has to be Mm -hmm. unasked for things like that i kind of believed that i guess my partner should be able to read my mind and that seems Mm. like such a silly thing to believe or like a inconsequential belief i guess but if you think about it, it really set me up for some like fucked up relationship dynamics to to right. believe that my partner could could be everything for me. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I yeah, I mean, go ahead. No, and I I think also sex in the same way too. Mm-hmm. And like we're going to talk about this in the next letter, which is mm-hmm. like a great segue to it. But um, even the idea that like not just romance, but also sex has to be spontaneous. Sex has mm-hmm. to be. Like, you have to, like, mutually understand each other. Like, having Mm -hmm. conversations about what you want or having conversations about consent are, like, not sexy. Because, like, we've been taught that, like, sex has to be, like, oh, I just want to rip your clothes off. And we both want each other so bad. And we just, like, our bodies intuitively understand each other. And, like, that is also a really harmful thing that we've learned that sets us up for failure both in... Like having sex that we don't want to have, right? Mm-hmm. And not having the words or power to check in with our partners or check in with ourselves. And sets us up for failure if like the sex we want to have <laughs> isn't being clearly articulated and then we just like don't get the option to do it. Like there's something right. wrong with us because like we're not having right. we're not having this passionate sex all the time. Right. In exact in like the way that it plays out in movies. Right. Exactly. Um, and maybe the last thing I'll share, which is it's like the the umbrella statement for all of these beliefs, um, mm-hmm. can, still connected to dating and relationships and, and the self is I grew up believing up until like, I don't know, three, five years ago, like into fully formed adulthood that like 
a good person doesn't hurt people or make mistakes. <laughs> I mean, I just thought that that's it's what good, good people were. And if you mm-hmm. break that again, it like seems like, oh, innocent enough. But then you're like, oh, if I spent my 20s making mistakes and like hurting people in relationships and not being able to have boundaries and 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 infidelity or whatever bullshit I did in my 20s, that means I, I that means I spent my entire 20s believing I was a bad person because I believed mm-hmm. that truth that good people don't hurt other people. And that's mm-hmm. not a, that's not true. <laughs> good people hurt people all the time that's like being a fucking human mm-hmm. anyway i just and wanted to boundaries hurt people yeah but that doesn't mean that boundaries aren't important right i just wanted to bring that to um to the table i guess i uh, one of my favorite things that we get to do on the podcast is kind of like unpack our own life revelations as they come and that had mm-hmm. been weighing heavy on my mind this week so thanks for checking in with me wanted Get into Mm -hmm. some letters. Yeah, let's do it. All right. This first letter comes from Mackenzie, who's writing from Palm Springs. First, my friend recommended this podcast, and I was hesitant at first because I thought being in a healthy relationship, the advice wasn't pertain wouldn't pertain to me. Wrong I was. (laughs) I am healthily and securely in love. However, my dude and I are both the funny friends, meaning we're hardly ever serious about, well, anything. We recently moved in together, and I've noticed that we're not sexy. Healthy and secure means uh, also means a lot of unsexy, using the bathroom with the door open, mm-hmm. and oh-so-intimate farting in front of each other. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure this is a part of the problem, but we're just very comfortable. We recently discussed our hesitation to initiate sex and came to the conclusion that we both don't feel sexy. I know I have some work to do with my self-love journey. My question to you is, how do I learn to feel sexy? And how do I help him feel like the sexy, handsome man that I see? Is this a level I need to unlock? Please share your cheat codes. (laughs) XOXO. Oh, Mackenzie, thank you so much for writing. I love this question. I love this letter. I also love your relationships. Congrats. I, I love when people confidently use those words, secure, you know, um, healthy, talking about their relationship because those are hard earned. And, and I just Mm want to say congrats to that. Um, I guess not hard earned, you know, like I take that back. I don't feel like I earned my partner's, you know, and I's secureness and stability, but I greatly benefit from it. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you did earn it. You put up, you put work into it. We put work into our relationship, but Willow's secureness has felt like a great gift for me to be able to explore mm. my secu- mm-hmm. potential secureness and stuff like that. That's kind of what I mean by it. We all relationships sure. at work, but, mm-hmm. um, but like congrats regardless, Mackenzie. Um, okay. So let's talk about farting and using <laughs> the bathroom in front of your partner. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, S- Sam, do you fart in front of your partners or have you i mean yes like but not like accidentally yeah not yeah. like intentionally yeah i i just i'm not a big i'm not i'm not super gassy from that end <laughs> i you know me i belch i burp all the time i'm so i'm a burp heavy person so but i just have never had i've never been super back end gassy <laughs> what i'm gonna call it <laughs> 
Uh, no, me neither. <laughs> I'm not. Uh, did you know we get paid to do this? <laughs> yeah, right. Can't believe that this there's money coming in the door for us to talk about our farts. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that is all to say, um, maybe that's not something... I necessarily have had to broach only because it's not like my lived bodily experience. However, I do pee with the door open constantly. What about you guys? Oh, I don't. No, no. it's like a pre- private mm-hmm. pee time. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like if one of us was peeing and like the other one like needed to get something out of the bathroom right. or something, like, like we would do it. But like we generally both close the door when we're peeing. <laughs> oh, I'm like a why? Why shut the door? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, great, I'm just great question. I yeah, guess. I yeah, mean, like, yeah, there's, yeah, yeah. For pee. Why I mean, do we have shame over our peeing? <laughs> well, but also, like, I'm just gonna close the door. Yeah, it... <laughs> yeah, that's fine. And and honestly, I was like doing brief research before this research, googling, you know. Um, and some people like just want private time. They just want to be alone. Which, God, during a pandemic, for sure, I relate to that. <laughs> that's part of it too. Like, we're in a pandemic, and I don't know when Peter is on his like calls oh, with his yeah. students yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and so like i just close the door all the time for that and then like i just i don't know i've always yeah. closed the door when i pee. i get it i get it um but you brought up my next point is or at least like a little exploration i want to do is into the stigma of like our bodies and our bodily things and why we associate them with not being sexy and like mm. capital s sexy too like oh my god when like all of us poop and fart and burp and you know like have crust in her eyes and boogers and you know Mm -hmm. and vaginal discharge if you have a vulva you know like it just yeah i mean our bodies even even if our bodies aren't like farting all the time they still do also do weird things during sex too (laughs) the weirdest things um and if anybody feels uncomfortable with that like don't like eventually that discomfort will hopefully go away um just because you're like I i literally can't I can't not. I can't. I can't. If you do that to me, I can't not queef. Like, what? What are you trying to do to me? (laughs) Uh, There's, uh, you know, queef talk, which is like TikTok, but for queefs. And um, some of my the people in my life are like obsessed with it. I'm sorry. Where you just? uh, (laughs) My brain can't compute. Okay, so it's like a it's an app for queefing. No, it's it's TikTok, you know, and there are like different parts of TikTok because the algorithm oh, like will take you into like different parts of the world. Okay, yeah. So like, there's queef talk, which is like people who are really into demonstrating how they can queef on command. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I, that is not. If a I ever skill stumble I across it, I will. Uh, I'll Thank send you, you some. Okay. <laughs> anyway, let's talk about stigmas. <laughs> well, this is it, right? Like any. Any shame we have about like queefing or burping or farting in front of people, it comes, you know, it starts so early. Do you remember like being in elementary school and like kids getting picked on for farting or or being like, whoever smelt it, tells it. Yes. You know, that again, going back to age, uh, like our little chubby cheek friend, you know, we code it so young that like our bodies are gross and something to be ashamed of. Um, But... As into adulthood, you if if you're lucky, you can start kind of taking and you, and if you want to, you know, uh, you can start taking down some of those boundaries. And according to one article I found on the internet, <laughs> <laughs> couples who fart in front of each other are happier statistically. <laughs> they probably like pulled their friends, but anyway. Um, so this is all the same, Mackenzie. Like, 
I I wanted to tackle the idea of like bodily uh, happenings and intimacy, um, and I uh, and the stigmas around it. But I I mostly want to say like you're doing fine. <laughs> intimacy shows up in all different ways, um, mm-hmm. and I do want to speak to like how we can increase sexual intimacy, um, how we can increase um, you feeling desirable, and vice versa to your partner. Um, but I loved this letter because it takes something that we think we should be ashamed of, our bodily happenings, um, and shows us that, like, they're very common. They can be they can exist in a healthy, stable, secure relationship um, because mm-hmm. both partners recognize that they're like human beings that like fart. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think also we do have like a very um, set sort of understanding of sex too that it that it has to be serious and it has to be like intense or right. you know passionate Sexy. or whatever yeah yeah right sex can also be funny right like yeah. can you you all you can also bring your funniness into your sexual interactions with mm, each other too that. um and thinking about ways in which you can build on the intimacy that you already have around like your bodies and like the things that your bodies do and like also turn those into things that like initiate and start sex. Right. Right. Like, totally. Um, and I think, I think I love, I mean, I love the idea of you two being so comfortable in your bodies in such like a humorous way of being like, yep, this is what my body does. Isn't this funny? Isn't this great? And like, is there a way that you can also bring your sexuality into that mm-hmm. humor and that mm-hmm. comfort of your body and like the weirdness of the things that our bodies do? Yeah. I love that so much. I love the idea that, um, just like those truths that we told ourselves when we were younger or that we grew up believing, we can restructure those truths or we can re-examine, you know, what does it mean to be intimate and what does it mean to be sexy? Like, what does it mean mm-hmm. to find intimacy with my partner? That being said, I also want to acknowledge, Mackenzie, that, you know, we would, we, we're not saying that trying to initiate sensuality or intimacy or sex with your partner can't be like very awkward. You know, I think one of the biggest reasons why people's sex lives sort of um, take the back burner um, in sometimes an unhealthy way is because you get so comfortable with yourself, with each other, I I mean, that all of a sudden to step out of that like very comfortable space to risk either i don't know mm-hmm. rejection or looking stupid or or i don't know putting yourself out there just like we do when we're dating um mm-hmm. can feel really scary and vulnerable and i think we forget that 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 motion of putting yourself out there when you're single and dating it's the same motion of putting yourself out there when you're with a long-term partner that you in the mm. same way you have to lean into that vulnerability lean into the discomfort of that vulnerability um, to reach greater intimacy or, you know, that greater potential of intimacy. Um, so I just want to like nod to that. Like, yeah, it can be kind of uncomfortable to ask for more sex or more whatever, or like have conversations about sex. Even if you've been here with your partner for a decade, even, mm-hmm. you know, those longer relationships sometimes are even more difficult. It's even more difficult to talk about um, your sure. sex life. Um, yeah. I mean, I think we're, it's not a skill that a lot of us have, right? right? Like it's not that sort of 
intimate conversation about sex is not something that we're taught how to do very often. I mean, a lot of us, right? I'm sure that there are people who feel very comfortable with it. Um, But also, and then we also like hold ourselves to the standards that if we're not good at it, then like that's embarrassing or shameful or or whatever. So um, again, it's like a muscle Mm -hmm. being able to talk about this and being able to, and it sounds like you and your partner are already doing it, right? right? Which is, which is a great sign. Um, and so there are things that you can do to like continue to have those conversations, to continue demonstrating that vulnerability yeah. and move towards more sexual intimacy, which it seems like you both want. Exactly. So I think I, I have two like takeaway points other than like just my general affirmation of you and your relationship and your relationship's farts. Um, my first thing is I want you to, uh, if possible, if you feel safe, um, I want you to have a vulnerable, honest conversation with your partner in which you to explore times in which you felt sexy. And I want specifics. I want mm. you two to recall, I felt really sexy when you pulled my hair. Or I felt really sexy that one time that we made out in the car outside of the store or whatever. I feel Mm -hmm. really sexy um, when I'm on top. I feel really sexy when blah, 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 blah. It's those specifics. So I want... I want you two to find those common, the common language between you two um, and find those shared experiences or maybe not shared, right? (laughs) Um, But find those experiences that you can pull from and try to not necessarily recreate, but try to find um, the, find the, the foundation of each of those experiences. Like, do you like being more dominant? Does he like it when you, I don't know, initiate, um, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. And this, mm-hmm. again, the, the wild thing about sex and talking about it is it can be deeply comfortable, even with somebody that you are so comfortable farting around, right? It's mm-hmm. uncomfortable to say like, yeah, I felt really desired when you licked my toes. Like that might be really vulnerable and embarrassing for someone. Right. Um, so I acknowledge that this might be difficult, but this will be a really productive conversation for you and your partner um, and see where it goes and see what you can mm-hmm. emulate from it. And and remember, intimacy doesn't intimacy comes in so many different forms and it isn't always intuitive. Right. We That's right. another lie I told myself. I thought intimacy yep. was supposed to be like all instinct, all passion, when in real- reality, intimacy is forced and I don't mean that in a bad way. I don't, I don't, I'm using that word without any negative connotation. Like sometimes mm-hmm. my wife and I are so busy that we have, we stop and say like, I really need some physical intimacy. Well, she's tired. I'm tired. We're distracted. We're stressed out. Like, do we want to have sex? Not, not first, <laughs> you know, like that's not our first <laughs> yeah, instinct. Yes, yes. Our first instinct yep. is to like watch TV together and not talk. But we know to fill that intimacy bucket, to feel close to each other. Sometimes you have to like push through that initial resistance. And I and I I mm. I'm not obviously just to clarify for anybody out there, don't have sex if you feel uncomfortable, don't have sex if you don't want to have sex. You know, everybody right. has yep. a right to say no. But sometimes when manifesting or cultivating intimacy in your relationship, especially a long-term relationship, you you have to like schedule sex or you have to, you have to have intimacy appointments. Yeah. Let's say instead of forced, force yourself into intimacy, let's say intentional intimacy. There we go. Yeah. I, I, that's way better. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, it's not, it's not going to happen all the time organically. Sometimes you need to be like, okay, I would rather watch a movie right now, but I also know that like 
once we're in it, the sex right. is going to be good. Mm-hmm. And like, mm-hmm. we need to have it. Right. And sometimes it's like the same way of exercise where you're like, oh I God. don't want to put on those running shoes, but like, I know once I get out there, it's going to be great. I'm going to feel better afterwards. Like sometimes you just have to make those decisions and like do it that way. And I, again, like I'm, I've been reading this book about marriage and how like our definitions of marriage have changed over time. And one of the things that he talks about is that like in our new sort of like love-based marriage mindset, sex has suddenly become this like really intense thing. And that, and the idea of like, you know, we used to have loveless marriages that were like of convenience. Mm -hmm. And now like, if, if it's all about love, then that means that we have to be having good sex. And if we're not having good sex, that means our relationship is somehow deeply flawed and you are somehow like betraying yourself if you are in a relationship where you don't love the sex or like you're like where there are so many other good things in it wow. and like the sex is like 18th on the list and you're like it's fine but like there are there are 17 other things that I'm getting from this that are super important and i it was like mind opening for me because of the amount of shame that i have had over the fact that like i as a sexual person like I'm not super into it. Right. (laughs) Don't get me wrong. Like, I love it. I think it's fantastic. But like, it is not something that's really high on my list of priorities when it comes to choosing a partner. And I have carried so much shame that I have been like betraying myself. Like, that's what it was. It wasn't like Mm. I'm somehow like a bad person. It was like I'm betraying myself by agreeing to be in partnership with people, even if I don't want to have sex with them all the time, Mm -hmm. but it's not, it's just like, it's like who I am. And it doesn't mean my relationships aren't, aren't healthy or aren't important. And like, I can intentionally be sexually active and enjoy it. And also like, not want to do it all the time. Not require it either. Yeah. (laughs) Right. And I think, I think it's such an important thing for us to be talking about because I'm super on board with like this pro-sex, this more pro-sex attitude that we've developed and saying like, yeah, you should have sex with people. It should be something that you should consider as being important to your relationship, like all of that good stuff. But also say like, and also it's okay for it to not be your priority. Mm. It is okay for your relationship to not, to be amazing in other ways and to be struggling in this one. And that doesn't mean it's a bad relationship. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, do you remember the name of the book? Uh, it's called The All or Nothing Marriage. Oh, I'll check it out. Maybe it'll be a blind date yeah. later. <laughs> maybe. Um, Once I finish it, I might recommend it. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, Mackenzie, uh, I hope this helps. And thank you, Sam, for I feel self-conscious about using the word force in this conversation. Obviously, my intentions were hopefully very mm-hmm. clear because I corrected myself immediately but thanks for replacing that word with um having intentional intimacy or whatever um Mm -hmm. i think that this is something that people i can almost feel like our listeners um especially listeners who have been in more long-term relationships like nodding along with this because there's this dance that you do between maintaining desire cultivating intimacy cultivating comfort you know which is like choosing choosing not to have sex or, or, or say no, or like, I don't know, peeing with the door open. I think there's this dance that we do. And, and I love what you shared from this book about our assumptions about what that long-term romance looks like versus how it actually mm-hmm. plays out. But yep. Mackenzie, I hope that this helps. I hope that you take these steps towards um, uh, having these, these potentially uncomfortable, but 
hopefully really rewarding conversations with your partner to 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 feel desirable and and for your partner to feel desirable too um it's it's there i promise in whatever way you want it to be <laughs> i had to put that caveat Absolutely. there i was like i don't know how to end that right yeah anyway thank you so much for writing mckenzie and listening thank you so much we love you Y'all, as a self-employed person, as a mom of a toddler, I am always struggling with finding time to manage my finances. At the end of a busy week, the last thing I want to do is spend time budgeting all of my expenses or tracking down customer service teams to cancel old subscriptions I no longer use. But now I use Rocket Money and it does all of that for me. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps you lower your bills so that you can grow your savings. With Rocket Money, you have full control over your subscriptions and a clear view of your expenses. You can see all your subscriptions in one place. And if you see something you don't want, Rocket Money can help cancel it with a few taps. I love how the dashboard shows me this month's spending compared to last month so I can clearly see my spending habits and check myself if needed. Plus, they'll help me create a custom budget and keep my spending on track. Rocket Money will even help try to negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is submit a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. They'll deal with customer service for you, which I obviously love as a somewhat introverted, conflict-avoidant person. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Rocket Money has over 5 million subscribers and has saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash just break up. That's rocketmoney.com slash just break up. Rocketmoney.com slash just break up. The weather's getting warmer, so it's time to say goodbye to jackets, sweaters, and hello to shorts and tees. I wanted to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune, and luckily I found Quince. Now I've got a lineup of timeless pieces that keep me looking effortlessly chic year after year. Quince has things like premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. And the best part is that all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. This past month, I treated myself to a pair of new slippers because I'm in that hashtag mom life era of my life um, in which (laughs) um, I am never not in slippers. And these are 100% Australian shearling lined clog slippers. And I love that they're slip on, but they have those durable rubber outsoles. They're super cushy, super comfortable, but I feel like I can run outside to like take the trash out in them while also like staying warm and active in the house get warm weather ready with quince go to quince.com slash just break up for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns that's q u i n c e.com slash just break up to get free shipping and 365 day returns quince.com slash just break up 
All right. Our second letter is from Hard to Know the Right Decision, writing to us from Washington. Hello, I'm a new listener to your podcast, and honestly, it's just been so much realness that I absolutely need. So here's my question. Me and my partner started seeing each other before the pandemic and started out the relationship during the pandemic. I have been single for many years, love being single, but was finally ready for a relationship and found my partner with this mindset. However, the last eight months of our relationship have not been so good. We have been constantly fighting and I often felt like I was failing his expectations, even though I was trying really hard and trying to keep the balance in my life and be my own person. I didn't want his needs to dictate my every move. Early on in our relationship, we had a problem with his boundary. He didn't feel comfortable being around any of my past exes and also told me he wasn't comfortable with me being around any of them or anyone I had ever slept with, stating that it wouldn't be forever, but he wasn't comfortable with this. I immediately reacted because I saw this not as a boundary, but as a rule and ended up planning to go to a thing that my friends, several of them I had made out with or slept with at some point behind his back. Of course, he found out and then looked at my phone, which is not cool, and found a conversation I had with this workout partner that was pretty flirty, but I saw it as innocent and never intended to cheat on my partner. Me and that guy are just pretty flirty. I know this may sound like an excuse. Either way, I always feel like I resist admitting I was wrong and then eventually cave to saying I was and really feel confused about the truth. Anyways, I basically started restricting my time spent with others because I felt like he was always jealous or concerned. He said I didn't do enough special things with him, even though we hung out almost every day. I withheld information about a couple of people who I'd slept with in the past in order to hang out with a group setting where they were always there. All of my friend circles are very close. Also, yes, we were being COVID safe, meeting outdoors and such. I withheld information about a couple of people who I had slept with in the past in order to hang out with the group setting where they also were there. But eventually he found out about this and his feelings were really hurt and we broke up, but are back together a day later. And I'm starting to question how much I really see a future with him. Side note, I feel like because of the instability in the relationship and all of the fighting and the mood swings, I had to bounce back and forth between really loving him and then questioning if we should be together throughout the relationship. Another note, both my mom and my sister don't like him because they feel like he's always moody and not helpful. However, usually he's moody because of some way I wasn't thinking of him and usually the blame falls on me. So I'm in a tough place. There's a lot of work to be done if we stay together. And he keeps bringing into the picture, quote, well, if someone really cares about someone else, they put the work in. I feel confused and a bit manipulated, but also I know I have to take responsibility for my actions and listen to his feelings and concerns about my inconsistency and lack of commitment with empathy, because if he's feeling them, then there has to be some truth in it. I don't know what to do. Should I stay or should I go? Thank you for your podcast and for reading this. All right. Hard to know the right decision. Thank you so much for listening and for writing to us. Sounds like you're in a bit of a pickle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So, so first of all, just to Sam, nobody else. <laughs> the <laughs> word inconsistency in this letter is so triggering for me because yeah. all of my past, like, abusive relationships, they have accused me of being inconsistent, and mm. that was, and and just like just like the letter writer, I I struggled with like. I guess I am inconsistent. Like, I I guess I Mm. am not following through on what, like, I really questioned 
my reality and what I was bringing to the table. Um, and I think I'm not confident, but I think the word somebody accusing you of being inconsistent is like, I don't know, in this context, such a such a red flag for me, because it's saying yeah. I need you to perform in a certain way all of the time to constantly reaffirm yep. your love for me. And if you don't do that, you're being, quote unquote, in, inconsistent. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know that that word for me was like, <laughs> no, for sure. The underlying thing there is that if you are not constantly focused on me and my needs, then you are not showing up you don't care correctly about me. Mm-hmm. as a partner. Right. Exactly. Um, yeah, there were a lot of things in this letter where I was like, Ooh, I'm triggered. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I want to say that to you, hard to know the right decision because I want you to really see, I want you to listen back to that letter yeah. and, and see all of the ways in which um, he is exhibiting really honestly controlling behavior here um, and the ways in which he is he is pushing you to question your own understanding and your own reality of the experiences that are happening in your relationship. Right. Right. And the idea that like you are being inconsistent when really you're just like showing up in relationship, that everything is your fault. Right. Like there's his no mood there's no ownership. Yep. His mood swings are your fault. The fact that he shows up really poorly to your sister and your mom is your fault. Right. Like the fact that he had to go through your phone is your fault. The fact that he is jealous of your uh, of the people around you is your fault because you had this this flirtatious conversation, whatever that means with this person. Uh, Like, I just want you to like sort of look through this because you keep telling us that these things are your fault. But from my perspective, I don't think that any of the ways that he's showing up in this relationship are your fault whatsoever. Yes. They are all his intentional choices, the the way that he is choosing to show up. And none of the things that you've told me about how you're showing up in this relationship deserve any of this type of behavior from him. Yeah. And let me let me jump on that too and say you withholding who you had slept with, that is that that behavior like uh zoomed out, right? Let's 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 take that like out with a with a microscope. Like obviously we don't want to be we don't want to lie to our partners, right? We don't mm-hmm. want to hide. We basically we don't want to have to hide who we've we're hanging out with, right? We we want to feel safe and secure in our relationships. So that behavior obviously is not a behavior that you want to carry into your future relationships. But I want to say explicitly that that behavior you're doing positive or negative, like good or bad, is you're doing it because you don't want to have these irrational reactions um, acted upon you, right? You're doing it out of fear. And you might not fear for your physical safety. You might not fear for your emotional safety, but you're doing it because you, you some part of you recognizes that his response would be catastrophic in a way in that like, I'm not trying to take away your autonomy. Like, you're, you're choosing to withhold this information, but you're doing it be, mm-hmm. to protect yourself. Um, yep. And I know some people might feel differently, but, like, those people have never, never been in a relationship like this. Because <laughs> Sam and I relate so deeply to, as to why you're doing this. I, I want to say that point, though, about, like, you you are you are choosing to withhold re- information um, from your partner. And I, I want to I zoom in on that because past me felt like a bad person because I was doing that. 
past mm-hmm. me believed I was I was contributing to and creating the dynamics that that caused the abusive behavior, right? Um, but then I realized in my future relationships, in my healthy and secure relationships, I no longer had to do that. I no longer had to right. protect myself or, quote, yep. protect my partner from the awfulness of me, you know? Um, mm-hmm. And so I chose in my future relationships to find not only find partners who no longer made me constantly prove myself to them, but I also yep. found partners um, that I didn't need to to lie to or withhold to. Um, so exactly. I know I know there's there's that conflict in there of like I'm doing this bad thing. You know, does that make me is right? This I'm my lying fault? to my partner. Right. Right. <laughs> but you know, but, yeah. Go yeah. ahead, Sam. No, it's it's much easier to be honest with your partner when your honesty isn't punished. Right. right? And and Sierra talked about how like you might be physically safe in this relationship, but there is also a thing about psychological safety, yes. right? And psychological safety is our ability to do things wrong, to make mistakes and know that we won't be punished for them. And it wow, sounds like wow, there's wow. not a lot of psychological safety in this relationship because you are being punished for things that you didn't do wrong and you are being pushed to doubt your own experiences in this, right? And wow. and I'm bringing that up because like this is a <laughs> for folks who have been with us for a few weeks like this is my current therapy journey is around like trusting my own experiences and the things that have happened to me mm-hmm. and not just being like oh that was my fault or oh that didn't happen it wasn't as bad as i thought it was um the things that are happening in your relationship are real you're not making them up you are not making them into bigger things than they are right in fact you are spending a lot of time diminishing the yeah, things yeah, that keeping, are happening trying to, you. to keep him cool keep- absolutely right um and so i want you to i want you to re-listen to the letter and and instead of bringing into it a diminishing attitude of like what your personal experiences are. Well, it wasn't that bad or, well, it was kind of flirty or, well, he, you know, like he did do this, but it was my fault. And instead like sit in it and say to yourself, like the things that I am experiencing in this relationship are true. Mm. They are real. I wouldn't make them up. I wouldn't like what, what, why would I make them up? Like, why would I make this thing bigger than it needs to be? Right. And, and, honestly ask yourself that because like I wrote on this letter and I'm just going to say it like point blank. This man is controlling and his jealousy is not your fault because to me as an outsider reading this letter and having been in situations like this before and having seen my loved ones like Sierra be in relationships like this before, it's very clear to me that the behaviors that he's exhibiting are textbook textbook controlling behavior yes right like and i think it's really hard because like when we're in those situations it feels like these are new or like these are unique things that are happening like he's not behaving doing this behavior because of because he's controlling he's doing them because of he loves all me. of these different he reasons needs more right? from me i'm not loving yes. him well enough right absolutely but like the things that he's doing are just so quintessentially <laughs> controlling behavior old news (laughs) bro you're old news textbook right now it's like it's like find a different playbook buddy yeah (laughs) Um, (laughs) these these have been done before yeah 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 go punch a wall Um, just kidding don't do that i hate toxic masculinity (laughs) um and that's been done before too bro um (laughs) (laughs) anyway um yes i yes everything the sam said yes um 
and and continuing on that topic train um you're the name that you gave us is literally hard to know the right decision and i want to say no it's hard to accept the right decision everything mm. that you have written to me in this letter written to us in these situations so often the right is screaming at us. I, I call it like, Sam's going to hate this because it's so hippie. Um, in these moments that I've been in these unhealthy relationships and just thought like, oh my God, what am I going to do? How can I leave this person or whatever? My soul was screaming at me to leave. Whatever that was mm -hmm. in you, there was mm -hmm. something in me screaming at me. And whatever for whatever reason whatever tools i did not or d did or did not have i couldn't listen to it i couldn't listen to like what my soul yeah. was screaming to me um but reading between the lines in this letter you know what the right decision is you know this isn't mm -hmm. right you know you don't want to have to lie to your partner about your the friends that you're hanging out with you you mm -hmm. you know that this isn't your fault him being moody all the time uh, not even that like let's let, even stepping away from like the potential controlling potentially abusive behaviors that we're reading in this letter like are you happy with this man does he make you happy um because what you're describing that that up and down the peaks and valleys of loving him and doubting him loving him being afraid of him loving him and 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 fearing his retribution fearing his anger that's not mm -hmm. love that's not love that's peaks and valleys that's that's fear and obsession that's you mm. feeling panicked and afraid all of the time and then when he finally shows you love when he finally shows you you know, the, the love that you've been starved, you feel so good. You're flooded with endorphins. You're like, oh, thank God we're not going to have a bad yep. day today. Um, that, yeah. that is not love. Um, and you deserve you want, love. Yeah, you want to have more than just the excitement of having an okay day, yes. <laughs> right? Like mm -hmm. you deserve much more than that. You deserve to have okay days being okay days and ha great days being great days, right? right. Like, and that's, that's what I really want you to see. And also recognize like this is really hard, right? Yes. Like there's a reason why leaving relationships like this is so challenging. There's like a reason why people stay with people who don't treat them well, because there are so many different factors at play that can keep us in these types of relationships. Right. Yes. And so I don't want it to come across as like, wake up stupid and like right. leave this man. Right. I, my, in my indignation is more at, is more anger at him for, for doing these things and not at you for, for being someone who is, who is being having those things enacted on them. Yeah. And so I just want to say like, I know that this is really hard. I know that it's hard to see your own reality when someone is so intentionally trying to obscure it for you. Mm. And so mm. I get it. I, I understand. And like, know that Sierra and I are here for you and how challenging this is. And like, I know how difficult it is yeah. to be in a relationship like this and be like, and just, wanting to explain it away because like the reality of it is just so much harder to deal with. Like, it's right. just so difficult to admit like, Oh, this is so unhealthy. And now I need to do the thing I need to, again, right. You, you said you were like, I feel like I'm carrying this whole relationship where I feel like I'm trying all the time. And now in addition to having tried the whole time in this relationship, I now also have to try and get and myself out leave. of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, Transparency Ugh, moment. I didn't. I, I did not leave the relationship that looked like this in my life. I didn't. I was dumped. <laughs> <laughs> Story of Sierra's life. <laughs> 
things were bad and then I got dumped. Yeah, 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 yeah. I just like stuck with it until they were like, nah, I can't do this anymore. Whoops. I got to say that joke again because it was so good. <laughs> what did I say? Things were bad. <laughs> things were bad and then they were like, nah, I can't do it anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, anyway, <laughs> but anyway, uh, dear letter writer, you know, you, we haven't said this in a long time, Sam, but so many of our letter writers know what to do. Oh, you, so true. You know what to do. It's just about, it's literally about making the space in your mind, in your body, in your soul, whatever it is to believe that, you know, the truth, to believe that, mm-hmm. you know, what's right for you, that you deserve better or whatever it is. It's like, you, you know, you know, this is true. You know, this isn't right. Yep. You know, this isn't normal, right? This is not a normal relationship, even though it is textbook, <laughs> but you got to make <laughs> space for yourself. You got to make space for the belief that you deserve better. Absolutely. And you don't have to do it you don't have to like know how to do it immediately, right? right. Like the first step isn't breaking up with him. The first step is planning. The Ooh, first step is like yeah. coming up. I was like, right? it's like, not. <laughs> no, the first step is planning how to do it, right? Yeah, and yeah, yeah, and yeah. so, because I think sometimes we get like, oh my God, I don't even, know, don't even know how to do it. And it's like, no, that's right. You don't. So like the first step is actually sitting down and being like, how would I do this? Like, yes. what what can I do? Who can I talk to? Where do I need to be to make this happen? Like, do I do it over email? Do I give? Right. Do I call him? Do I text him? All of those things are all fine ways to break up with him. Just FYI, mm-hmm. like if you are feeling this uh, psychologically unsafe, like anything that you need to do in order to like get yourself away from the situation is a good way to do it. I agree. Um, so, so like start with that. Start with just thinking about like how you would do it. You don't need to necessarily pull the trigger if you're not feeling like you can do that. But like, what would you do? What would it look like? How can you, what steps do you need to have in place? What resources in order to be able to pull that trigger? Give yourself a date, right? Like in two weeks, I'm going to do this. I'm going to send that email. So like, what do I need to do to gear, gear myself up for that? Um, give yourself that deadline to, to make it happen. Um, because like, I, again, with one of these things where it's like, oh, we should just know how to do this, oh right? God. Like we should just know when our, our worth is being <laughs> and questioned. And we don't, we, we're we should break up with broken. someone, right? No, like plan it. Be intentional. It's okay to not know, and it's okay to to have to sit down and like write out the steps to like get there. It's okay to ask a friend and say like, "How do you, how do you think up? I should do this?" Right? It's okay to Google it. It's yeah. okay to say like, "How do how do I do this thing?" There's, I'm sure there are seven WikiHow articles about how to break up with someone. I've read them. So. <laughs> I've literally read them. <laughs> yeah. So like, I know it feels really daunting, but but it is a, a series of manageable steps that get you there. Beautiful. And, and you can figure out what those steps are and, and you can enlist help to figure out how to make it happen. Yeah. All right. You know what to do. Thank you so much for writing. Thank you so much. We love you. We love you. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Okay, our next question comes from Questioning the Universe, who is writing from Seattle. 
Hi, Sam and Sierra, longtime listener here. I discovered your podcast and I was going through an ugly breakup a few years back. Listening to your podcast combined with therapy taught me so much about boundaries and giving myself permission to want more in a relationship to pursue a healthy and healing love. Hmm. In pursuing that healthy healing love, I found myself in a relationship with a man. He's 33 years old and divorced, five-ish years of dating and another four-ish years of being married. I'm 30 and never married with one fur baby. (laughs) We've been dating for almost a year. Our anniversary is coming up. Yay. We started dating a little more than half a year after his divorce was finalized. Doing the math on it freaked me out because after so many heartbreaks and recognizing my pattern of dating unavailable men, I was committed to changing. I was actively seeing a therapist, investing in my friendships and in myself. When I shared my concerns with him, he assured me that he spent a lot of time thinking and working through his feelings leading up to the divorce being finalized. He assured me that he was ready to invest in a new relationship. He is a kind and patient man. He wasn't afraid to put himself out there to be with me, so I took a leap of faith and committed. Soon after our relationship began, COVID happened, which propelled our relationship forward. We spent almost every day together, and when we weren't together, we texted and called each other, which is wild to me. I haven't used the phone for personal calls since a decade ago, he would tell me that he missed me and would bring takeout for lunch when I was having a busy day with back-to-back calls. We tried our best to keep the excitement and romance alive when everything was shutting down. During the 11 months we were together, we supported each other through quite a lot. I quit a job that was triggering me and left me feeling like a shell of a human. I'm very grateful to be able to do this during a time when so many people are losing their jobs. He was searching for a job and finally got one before his funds ran out. The new job was demanding and made him question his ability and professional career for the first time. We went through a health scare when we thought his brother could die of a blood clot and then discovered he had the same health condition and could drop dead at any moment. It felt like his world was being turned upside down. He told me that this is the first time in his life where he didn't know his purpose in life. He had lost his guiding star. In addition, I got the sense that he hasn't given himself permission to grieve the loss of his marriage and the dreams he had about it. I told him it's okay to not have everything figured out, to be sad and lost, and encouraged him to get a therapist. I love him, and there's only so much I can do to support him. Through all of this, we've been good and about being honest with each other, about communicating our needs, and about showing up for each other. Yes, there were times when we had misunderstandings and fought, but we usually work through them and come out stronger in the end. I told myself this is what a healthy healing love is supposed to look like. Things are not perfect, but we're there for each other. We're invested in each other's happiness and growth. I felt safe. Then last week, on a walk, he tells me he's worried he's wasting my time. He thinks he's supposed to be a particular way, feel a particular way about me, but he doesn't, and he isn't sure if we should still be together. After some probing, he tells me he doesn't see a future with me. When he thinks about his life in five years, he doesn't see me in it. He thinks it's unfair to me if we stay together when his heart is clearly not in it. After some more probing because I felt blindsided by his words, he tells me that he doesn't love me and he doesn't think that he ever would. My question is, how do you continue to make progress on your healing journey when you experience setbacks like this? Mm. When I'm alone, which is very often in these COVID times, my mind travels to dark places and my insecurities come to the surface. I've worked really hard to love myself, flaws and all, and I and to remind myself that I am lovable and I am worthy of love. I'm proud of myself for taking his word at face value and walking away, something that I sucked at in past relationships. But Mm. this experience shook me. When so much was going right, our relationship still didn't work out. Mm. I find myself questioning whether love is in the books for me. Should I make peace with the fact that some people just don't find that good love that is mutually felt? 
I find myself falling in love over and over, and each time the other person tells me that they don't love me and don't see a future with me. Sometimes it's after a few months, and other times it's after a year, if that matters. I don't want to be jaded and closed off to love, but this last relationship, as healthy as it was in comparison to all of my other relationships, has me asking, can you cut me some slack, universe? Mm. I'm really trying. Mm. Thank you so much for writing, questioning the universe. I feel I feel like the last couple lines of your letter, um, you know, that call to the universe, like, what the fuck, man? Like, I... <laughs> I mean, I say that as a joke, but not as a joke at all, because you know those moments, those seasons of your life where you either, you know, you came from a from a period of depression or struggle and you and you're just trying to get back on your feet and you're putting in all Mm -hmm. the work. You're doing those fucking affirmation meditations. You're eating, you're drinking water first thing in the morning. (laughs) You're, you know, you're doing everything right trying to get back on track and then the universe just like kicks you right in the shins kicks or Mm -hmm. even worse you know like punches you in the gut and you lose your breath and Mm -hmm. and that sentiment of like just give me a break like what more do you want from me i think is such a relatable unfortunate human experience um so i just feel deeply connected to that sentiment and and i also questioning the universe i just for what it's worth i want to say i see all the work you're doing and i see what a fucking frustrating setback this is like Mm -hmm. no no positive words yet i promise i'll get to them it's kind of my job um but (laughs) well it's my job and my beliefs but for sure i i first just want to say like dang i see I see you working hard and I see you getting that much more load to carry. And that sucks. Mm-hmm. I, I'm i sorry for you. Yeah. And I just also want to acknowledge the fact that we are in a pandemic mm-hmm. <laughs> and we are, we are denied the, the little things in our lives that affirm what we know about ourselves. Mm-hmm. Right. And I say this because like, I am also a person who, who is like proud of the fact that I don't need external validation, or at least like, I don't think I need external mm-hmm. validation. Right. Like, like, just like you, um, questioning is like, you know, I have done a lot of work to be able to get myself to a point where I can like affirm myself. Like I can know my worth. I can know that I'm lovable. I can know that I'm capable, like all of the things that are important to me. And also the reality is, is that I also still, as a person who knows those things, get affirmation, if not verbal, then at least like, mm-hmm. <laughs> like nonverbal affirmation from the people in my life that affirm those things, right? And that's really hard right now mm-hmm. because we are not allowed to be around people. Mm. And like even Zoom calls, right? Like the delay in Zoom calls, like there's psychological studies about how the delay in Zoom calls like make us question ourselves constantly wow. because we don't get the immediate gratification of seeing the person smile at the thing that we said or, you know, like nod that they understood. Like even the fact that it's like a two second delay tricks our brain into thinking that the thing that we just said isn't isn't seen as like valid to other people. Mm. And I had a really great conversation with uh, a therapist about this where I was like, 
I know that I'm lovable, like, but I'm still struggling in these moments because like, even as someone who's so introverted and, and doesn't need external validation, I don't know what to do. Wow. And he was like, I know you don't need external validation. And yet also you were getting it constantly from your interactions with other people, even if they weren't sitting down and saying like, Sam, you're, you're smart and capable and worthy of love, <laughs> right? Even just the sitting with people in conversation, in community as a social creature, because that's what humans are. Right. Just the, 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 the reaction of people smiling at me, laughing at my jokes, you know, um, you know, making eye contact with me, all of those things were affirming the things that I already knew. Right. And, you know, like we don't have that anymore. And so I, I just wanted to call that out to say, like, I don't think that this is necessarily a, an issue of you not, not being able to believe the things that you already know, or that Mm. you don't know those things anymore. Right. Like this is an issue of, you know, those things. And also at the same time, they're really hard to see right now because of all of right. The, all of the multitude of things that we're going through in this moment. And so I say that because I don't want you to internalize your struggle right now as some sort of internal fault, as if there's like something that's wrong with you that you can't see your worth in this moment. We are in an unprecedented time, right? Like we are in a situation that none of us are set up for success in. Right. And so the fact that you are doubting these things or the fact that you are unable to see them as clearly as you could a year ago doesn't mean that you've somehow lost yourself doesn't mean that you've somehow failed at at knowing you're lovable and you are worthy but just recognizing that the circumstances that we're in in this moment is just making it really hard to see those truths clearly right i totally agree um i want to add to that um you know i've been thinking about our single listeners a lot and mm-hmm. i've been trying to be very intentional about um, not being toxically positive, but right. I guess even more importantly, not centering, um, not centering the idea of, oh, you'll meet somebody eventually, um, as like my piece of comforting advice, you know, mm-hmm. or, or not centering coupling, you know, um, that right. I remember, um, watching a Byron Katie talk once. I, I talked about Byron Katie a lot last mm-hmm. this past summer. Um, and she has this uh, like process called the work that you kind of like unpack our, these beliefs that mm-hmm. are struggling, you're struggling with. You could check it out, Byron Katie. Um, and she has one video where a woman was basically like, I'm afraid I'm going to die alone. And um, I found it, the, the video about it deeply moving because Byron Katie talked to her, talked her through her work is all about like questioning what you know to be true. Is it really mm-hmm. true? And what would it look like if you believed the opposite? Um, and it's all about, I've, I've used the word mind expanders before, and I'm sorry to people who don't know who she is or, or haven't heard those past episodes. I'm doing like a very brief overview, but in that video, they, the woman Byron Katie asked the woman to tell her what it would look like if she was old and alone. Like, what life do you think that you would lead if you mm-hmm. did end up alone? And through a series of questions and self-discover- self-examination, self this woman realized 
like sort of like st- starkly and surprisingly that 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 life would s- would still be so much you know that that mm-hmm. that and again i'm not trying to be i'm not trying to be like ah don't worry about it 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 was it was the freeing thought of so much pressure was putting on she was putting on herself so much pressure to like to not die alone. Oh my God, I can't do this. I can't <laughs> yeah. die alone. I can't be a single uh-huh. person for my whole life. Blah, 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 blah. And all of, and, and just that one thought, that one thought was, was limiting the scope of her life so much. Her life could be mm. so much more than whether she died in or out of a relationship. Um, and I, I've thought about that that video for so long it's somewhere on youtube maybe i'll link to it on social media at some point um and i i guess i i'm not sure if any of that was eloquent but i've just been thinking a lot about our (laughs) no it wasn't (laughs) no sorry (laughs) no i I did it wisconsin no which is uh which is when you say no but you mean yeah (laughs) (laughs) that's cute um no no yeah (laughs) that's that's what the new york one is no yeah no yeah um (laughs) that means yes just in case anyone who's not from wisconsin wants to know um, how wisconsinites talk (laughs) yeah but so my point is i've obviously been thinking a lot about our single listeners and and how obviously we want to be giving you guys all tools to to find relationships find connections deepen this intimacy stay or leave relationships as you see fit you know but also i want to try to keep decentering relationships um at the same time while also while also acknowledging that like to be single to be single in a pandemic to be dumped to be dumped after all of this work is just feels so defeated defeated you yep. know it feels like you're just kicked in the shins like i said before absolutely and you are not and again like you it's you haven't lost the truth here right like you you know that you are lovable you know that you are worthy and you've had a a thing that has like kicked you in the stomach so it's okay to feel bad about this it's okay to feel defeated it's okay to feel like uh this is another thing that i have to deal with and just because you feel those things doesn't mean that you've lost sight of your understanding of yourself right and i i think that that is something that I've had to learn mm. over the the course of the last like very difficult two years for me. Yeah. Is that like my setbacks or like me feeling bad, me, you know, feeling depressed, me like dealing being like, I can't deal with this anymore. Like I can't, I can't handle this. And and wanting to just like feel better, feel better and and like know that things are true and like get to some sort of like beautiful divine realization about the horrible things that have happened to me. I have, I've had to really internalize, like, those are feelings that I need to feel. And the fact that I'm feeling them doesn't mean that I don't know that the universe is abundant, that I don't know that I'm worthy of love, that I don't know that I'm deeply loved by the people around me. It just means that I'm going through a really, really challenging situation. And that like it, the feelings that are coming up are feelings that are in response to that situation and not in response to my own understanding of myself and and the world around me. Beautiful. Right. And I had to learn that because I, I like after my dad died, I was like, I can't believe that I am not equipped to be able to handle this situation. (laughs) Right. Like, like I spent so much work trying to like get, like deal with my mental health and like get to a healthy point. And, and, you know, my therapist at the time was like, Sam, 
what the fuck? Like, you <laughs> your dad just died. Yeah, you like, don't have to deal with this like this. that. Yeah, she was like, she was like, you. This isn't about self growth, friend. This is about self maintenance. Like, this is about you just trying to get to tomorrow. And so, and that doesn't mean that you've lost all of the tools that you've developed over the course right. of the last years with me, right? And so, I just want to say that to you, questioning that, like. You're okay. It's okay to feel. It's okay to feel defeated. It's okay to feel like you just got punched. It's okay to be like, uh, what if this does mean that I'm gonna die alone? What right. if this does like create a pattern that I am not worthy of a long term relationship, and also still know at the end of the day that you are worthy of of love and that you are whole as you are, right? Yes. I want to jump on that really quickly. Um. And try to articulate at least something that maybe will, that you can meditate on or try to, you know, use as a mind expander, use as something to lean on during this time. Like, I Mm -hmm. believe what Sam said so wholeheartedly that maybe now isn't the time to, like, continue the the healing journey. You pause that Mm -hmm. healing journey and do whatever the fuck you need to do to get to the next day. And then Mm -hmm. when you're ready, you're like, okay, I'm ready to show up again for myself. But you haven't lost anything, right? Yep. But I do want to give you something to like um, ruminate over or lean upon, which is the idea of this pattern, right? That you feel like, what am I just, am I one of those people that's just destined to not find a true love because of these, this pattern that I'm perceiving in my history? First of all, the universe doesn't have a pattern um, mm-hmm. and that we are, we are condensing, that would be condensing the immensity and complexity of the universe into the idea that like we are all equations, which we're not, you know, right. the equation yep. would be like, if you put in one person and their baggage and this person about, you know, whatever, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, the universe, I, I don't believe that the universe has patterns like that. And I, all, and more importantly, I don't believe that there are people who are predestined to be alone or not alone. I just don't right. believe, you know, I, I'm not particularly religious. I am spiritual to, to Sam's chagrin. <laughs> just kidding. Just teasing. Um, uh, but I do love when people talk about the, their idea of God as like, you know, my, you know, quoting my idea of God is um, that my God, my God believes that all things are possible or that all beings are lovable or or whatever, you know. Mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. that God, that idea of God, if if that is a word that you subscribe to or replace it with the universe, um, the universe wouldn't make people that are predestined to be alone or predestined to be be with people. There isn't like a factory right. somewhere in heaven or a factory in the universe that's like, okay, this one gonna suffer for their entire life (laughs) this one is gonna be totally easy you know um that Mm -hmm. is not a that's not a rule of the universe that i personally subscribe to and i'm gonna invite you into that ideology with me um that yeah sometimes the way life beats us down can feel like a pattern Sometimes the way life beats us down, it feels like the the odds are literally not in our favor and that there's some sick joke. There's some sick fucker who's (laughs) like playing this repeated joke on us, right? But Mm -hmm. that, as much as it can feel like that, I tell myself, I know that the universe isn't conspiring against me, even if my life is hard. Um, And I find comfort in that. I don't know if you will. Maybe maybe you will. But I just want to say that. I also want to say... 
I I was freshly single at 30, crushed at 30, got into another relationship, was crushed again. This is the person who cheated on me and who then dumped me, <laughs> cheated on me for years, then dumped me. <laughs> Sam loves it. Love to see it. I, and, I didn't say it this time. You said it. <laughs> and then I met my wife when I was 32. Um, and I'm not saying that in like a um, stick around, like happy ever after is just around the corner. But I'm just putting that into perspective that your life your life begins again every day um and opportunities begin again every day and and that's why i just i don't believe in this pattern um i don't believe it in for for you or for me um the, absolutely the universe is is much too wild and exciting chaotic. to be condensed <laughs> yeah literally yeah. chaotic to be condensed into like you know prescribing that one person is going to be alone for the rest of their life and the other one's not. Absolutely. But I also, <laughs> but again, also. just want to say, <laughs> no, but sorry. No, no, I, I agree. Well, this <laughs> no. is the complexity. And, We've done it like 10 times this episode. It's like, we want to be this and this, but also this. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, and to say questioning that, again, there's nothing wrong with you if you feel like the universe is conspiring against you in oh, this yeah. moment. Right? Like, it is... It is completely natural to think that even if you are the most like enlightened, like mentally healthy person, right? Like yeah. it is also a normal response to say, God, it feels like the universe has just dealt me another shit hand of cards. Like what the fuck? And so I just, I think, I think Sierra and I are like going at this really chaotically, but I think also <laughs> like in a good way to say that like these multiple things can be su- true at the same time. And And I think sometimes like the most healing thing for us to be able to do is to sit in that and just notice and observe all of it without trying to like make assumptions or judgments or evaluations about that. And instead just say like, everything hurts right now. Nothing is making sense. I know all of these things are true and yet they seem they seem totally conflicting. So I'm just going to eat some ice cream and like sit in that for a while and be angry at the universe. Be angry. That's that anger is justified. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You don't have to, you don't have to be sitting and thinking like, Oh, this is all in in the plan. This is like the universe looking, (laughs) the universe will provide. (laughs) Right. And then you're like, yeah, it'll provide some bullshit. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. So I think like just at the end of the day, like you're doing it right. Right. Like you're just even if it all feels way- wrong. Absolutely. Right. Like you are you're in the the process of figuring it out. And that process is messy and it's confusing and it feels wrong and it feels weird and, and chaotic. <laughs> and also like you're doing it right. You are. You are asking the right questions. You are thinking about this in a way that I think is going to serve you well. And and just trust that like tomorrow will be different and the day after will yeah. be different and you will be able to do different things and have different experiences and different ways of, of perceiving what's happening to you. Um, but that right now, it's it sucks. Mm-hmm. It just sucks. Yeah, I totally agree. <laughs> we love you so much questioning the universe um we hope you feel a little bit less alone absolutely thank you so much for writing thank you 
All right, everyone, this brings us to our blind date segment. Uh, But before we begin, I have to give a caveat to the blind date that I gave last week, uh, which is that I recommended a podcast, uh, Reply All, specifically their The Test Kitchen segment, um, which is four episodes about the fallout at Bon Appetit. Um, And after I said that, uh, (laughs) our good friend Spencer sent us a link to an article about how the hosts of that uh, podcast that sort of the test kitchen part of that podcast um, have stepped down because they have created toxic work environments for the people that uh, were reporting on that story with them. So <laughs> just want to say like, there's information for you. You can make an informed decision about whether or not you want to take that blind date given the circumstances. But I felt it was important to yeah. just like make sure that everyone knows going into that, that they're, uh, that it's more complicated than I made it out to be. (laughs) Well, you only knew what you knew and people are perpetually disappointing. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. I mean, they are, yes, they are, but like, whatever. I don't trail off. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So anyway, back to our spiel. Uh, the blind date segment is when we try and set you up with something that we think you're really going to like this week. We want to send you home with Okay, it's a multifaceted suggestion for you all. I'm going to literally suggest three things, but they're all connected. Okay, ready? Brene Brown, Lord and Savior, has a podcast. Mm -hmm. We've suggested it before. It's called Unlocking Us. There was a recent episode that she interviewed um, the doctors, John and Julie Gottman. They're a married couple for like over 30, 40 years, and they've done like 35 years of research about marriage stability and divorce Mm. prediction and like what makes um, happy, healthy relationships. Um, Mm -hmm. And so the interview was really interesting. Brene obviously got hella vulnerable and it was a a very helpful. I I loved listening to it for my own relationship and for the podcast, obviously, but they, and they have a bunch of books together, this married couple. Um, uh, One of them's a clinician, the other's a, a psychologist. And so they do these amazing studies like, uh, so that's the second suggestion. The podcast episode number one. Second suggestion is just looking into John and Julie Gottman. Um, they have authored like 40 books on relationships and what they see statistically over the last 40 years studying couples about what makes relationships fail or succeed, not fail or succeed, thrive. And or. There yep. we go. <laughs> um, so much so that they can... This is such a stressful statistic. They can um, correctly guess whether or not a relationship is going to last or not within 90% accuracy. Terrifying, right? And so I know it it makes me so uncomfortable for some reason, but they tell you what they, what the, what the, what they look for, you know, Mm-hmm. Is there resentment? Do you speak positively about your partner? Do you talk about yourselves as a team versus against each other? You know, um, mm. all of these little things that they that they say correlate in their research. I, I find them interesting in the same way that we find Brene Brown because of like the combination of human things, love and relationships mm-hmm. and science um, and and research. But anyway, the final um, study is based off of looking into their work and listening to the podcast. I bought their most recent book for Willow for Valentine's Day. It's called Eight Dates, Essential Conversations for a Lifetime of Love. We're halfway through it, um, and I I actually love it. I think their work is really cool. I I look forward to checking more of their stuff out. So it's the Gottmans and the book Eight Dates, Essential Conversations for a Lifetime of Love, and you can listen to them on Brene Brown's podcast. Awesome. 
All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. You can like us on Facebook and you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Just Break Up Pod. You can slide into our DMs, send us your favorite relationship memes. But most importantly, you can submit your questions about all matters of the heart at JustBreakUpPod.com, which is also where you can find our merchandise. Please remember to follow us so that you can get our episodes every Monday exclusively on Spotify and consider supporting us on Patreon. If you support us on Patreon for as little as $5 a month, you will get an additional bonus weekly episode as well as access to our backlog of over 100 other episodes. That's patreon.com slash justbreakuppod. Uh, This literally keeps the mics on and helps us reach more brokenhearted souls who need two random strangers giving them relationship advice. Original music, recording, editing, producing all magical things by our good friend Big Cats. Make sure to check out his podcast, The What If Podcast. And remember, think about the beliefs that you hold as true. The thoughts that you maybe inherited from your family or were given to you with or without choice as a child or were taught to you by strangers on the playground television shows, or our government. Think about these beliefs, where they come from, and who benefits most from them, especially if they are beliefs that make you feel small, broken, or undeserving. And give yourself permission to believe differently. And if all else fails, just break up. <laughs>